Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week, we're in Pahuska, Oklahoma with Stephen and Tiffany Poe, owners of the Grandview Inn. Stephen and Tiffany are sharing how a homeschool group connection introduced them to Reed Drummond, who we all know as the Pioneer Woman, which led them to moving to Pahuska and how they now have their own piece of Drummond history at the Inn. The Inn is a place that radiates charm, complete with a dance floor, sunroom, and incredible architectural elements. Stephen and Tiffany make a great hospitality team, and after seven years of running the Grandview Inn, they have a very fun announcement that you won't want to miss. So here we go with Stephen and Tiffany. All right, well, we're here today in Pahuska, Oklahoma with Stephen and Tiffany Poe of the Grandview Inn. Guys, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks so much. We're excited. Well, tell us a little bit about you. Are you originally from Pahuska? We're actually not. We're from the Grand Lake area, still here in Oklahoma, but the Grand Lake area. Okay. Born and raised. Well, what is it that first put Pahuska on your radar? <laughs> It's kind of a crazy story. In fact, when we tell it, we're like, really? We, a made-up version might be, sound a little more appropriate, but <laughs> it's just crazy, so that's what it is. Um, we decided a long time ago to home educate our kiddos, and through a series of connections and um, certain people you know, that were in our, our world, our homeschool director, who's another Pahuska local, Cindy Kane, uh, introduced us to Reed Drummond and through that series, we ended up here. So yeah, we lived in Tulsa and um, Cindy was the director of our home education group there in Tulsa. And uh, one night she said, hey, I want you to come to a sushi party with me out in Pahuska, where I'm from. She said, I want you to meet my friend, Ree. Because at the time I was um, a, a director of a culinary school in Tulsa and having a lot of fun, you know, uh, we were pulling the, you know, double shift life, you know, parents of three kiddos. I had just had a baby and she said, bring your baby. Ree loves babies. And I'm like, who is this Ree person? So I <laughs> had no idea. Chefs don't follow blogs. So I was like, okay. Um, so I meet Cindy here in Pahuska and she takes me out to the lodge and I'm like, where are we going? It was like, we drove and drove and drove until we couldn't drive anymore. And there we are in the middle of nowhere. And this lady is hosting a party with, you know, 40 of her cowgirl friends and they're eating sushi in the middle of like nowhere, Oklahoma. And so I was kind of like, this is strange, but okay. So that's the night I met Reed Drummond and she signed a cookbook for me and, you know, uh, you know, Google over my baby. And the next morning, all my friends started texting me and I thought, what's going on? And they go, oh my gosh, you met the pioneer woman. And I thought, how do they even know where I was? Like there's, I didn't tell anybody where I was going. And long story short, she took pictures that night of my baby, Lily. And the next morning at 5 a.m. on her blog post, it was Lillian, the baby I fell in love with or something. It was so uh, cute. Uh, and so all my friends started recognizing the baby post. And they're like, you met Reed Drummond. And that was, the, that was how it all began. Wow. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. And then I started doing projects with her. We ended up um, doing the Bobby Flay Throwdown. And I was kind of her back, you know, her back kitchen assistants. And then we started working on blog work and cookbook work. And honestly, we just get together and have fun and cook for hours and hours at a time. It was like, you know, the, the, the best experience ever because we just loved food and loved to cook. And it just organically grew into more and more and more to where eventually I was filming with her on the Food Network show. And we decided to buy this old house here in Pahuska because I had seen it during a, a party we had here and just thought, what a cool old house. I would love to live there. And so through a series of kind of crazy events, we ended up buying the house and opening it as a bed and breakfast. And here we are today, seven years later. Wow. I love that. 
Well, what was it like moving from the city to a rural town? Um, and this was before like the Merc and everything had opened, right? Or maybe it was not even an idea. I don't even know. It wasn't. We were like, um, we, we had just moved to Tulsa a couple years before that from a very rural place, like almost even more rural than Pahuska. So Stephen and I grew up in the country. Uh, we were, we were country bumpkins, as you could say. And we lived on 80 acres, which was Stephen's grandparents farm. And we were in really in the country, like not as isolated as the ranch, but (laughs) in like more like a, country rural atmosphere so we had you know cows next door in fact there were cows out in front of my front porch every morning and just really rural location but everywhere we had to commute you know it's an over an hour and a half to get anywhere and so when we moved to Tulsa we were like oh my word the city like we were meant to be here there's a Starbucks and there's like a Target and then we don't have to drive an hour and a half home like what is this wonderland (laughs) so we were getting very spoiled to city life Uh, we were pretty enamored with the whole thing and I never thought I would move out of the city again. Uh, But the idea and the charm of this old home was enough to kind of pull us out and say, okay, what could be, what adventure are you willing to take? (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. So it was a big adjustment. We were like, okay, this is going to be good, but we're a little scared to leave like now our comfort of the big city. Well, tell us a little bit about the history of this home because we'll post pictures on the blog, but wow. Yeah, it's that's how I felt when I first walked in. Uh, the film crew was here. They were having a party and watching a little indie film that one of the crew members had made. And I gave myself a tour while they were watching the movie. <laughs> I was like, don't mind me. I'll just look around. <laughs> and every room just had its own story. Um, the, the home was built back in 1923, and it, it just has such charm to it. I mean, it radiates charm in its own character. But when you hear about kind of what had it's been through in its own story, you're like, oh my gosh, I get why it's so cool. So it was built in the 20s by an Osage native, a man named Tucker, and we weren't able to find a lot of information about him, but he had apparently traveled uh, all over and saw some homes that he liked that were of this style and built it here. So it's close to 7,000 square foot, which was crazy in the 20s to build something that huge. And it has a dance floor on the third floor. There's a basement. There's this beautiful sunroom. So very different kind of home than what you'd see in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, right? Yeah. But in the 20s, this was definitely somewhere. I mean, this was called the Paris of the Midwest. This was a place where you could drive down and buy a Rolls Royce on the corner. I mean, the first Rolls Royce dealership west of the Mississippi was in Pahuska, Oklahoma. So this is by no you know, like surprise that this type of home is here. Um, but the fact that it's still in good shape a hundred years later almost is because of the families and the people who've taken care of it over the years. And the Drummond family had it for close to 50 years. I think it was Chuck's father, Fred A. Drummond, that bought it from uh, the Lomans and Lad and, um, and his brothers grew up here a little bit, as well as Chuck, his dad. And then Lad and Ree even lived here uh, for a couple years when I think the girls were little. So very cool. And then she sold it to a woman named Charlotte, um, who had kind of a thing for old homes. And she was a, she was a really good restorer of historical, like properties and accuracy in that. I think that was kind of her jam, her background. So she brought the home up to code and did the wainscoting and the wallpaper and restored the hardwood floors and brought central heating and air to the home for the first time in 2004, I think, and new windows and painted it kind of a stone color. Like uh, it's white again outside now, but we, she painted it a different color and she was going to open it as a bed and breakfast. Well, she ended up moving away and it was back on the market and that's how we found it. Oh, wow. Well, talk to us a little bit about the bed and breakfast experience here. So 
after we hosted our first crew, the film, the Food Network crew, uh, they left. And I think we looked at each other and we were like, well, we can't move back into the bedrooms while they're gone because that would be a lot of work. And we might as well just open this thing up like to the public, you know, because they were the consistent clientele staying with us about four or five times a year. But we thought, why not? I mean, there's what else are we going to do with this big house, right? We, we really felt like it was supposed to be shared in every way possible. Like, the community really owns this home. In fact, some old-timers would stop by, like, unannounced and just come in. No knocking or anything. And, and it'd be like, hey, so-and-so, how you doing? I grew up in this house. Or I used to, you know, I used to come here all the time. And I'd be like, well, hi there, buddy. You know, just come on in. I'm glad I'm not, like, in my house robe or something. Anyway, it was just kind of funny. Like, it was a little different for us because it was such a familiar piece of real estate here that I think there's a real sense of ownership for the community on you know, we really felt like it should be shared with more than just our family, like a, a residency. And so we opened it up as a bed and breakfast, never really advertised, just kind of told a few people that we were open. And if anybody wanted to come by and stay word with us, uh, yeah, word of mouth, we just kind of opened and didn't really have a game plan. We kind of like to say we're accidental bed and breakfast owners. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it kind of worked out to where we started just hosting folks for the tall grass prairie. Um, who else would come see us? The Osage Nation. The Osage Nation, yeah, became really good clients. and Just people traveling down 60. Mm-hmm, coming through, visiting relatives here in town. And it just kind of grew. And so uh, Stephen sold his business in Tulsa when we moved up here. And he started to really get the groove of enjoying hosting people. And really, he, he's such a great hospitality person. Like, I'm the one who went to school for being a hospitality professional, but he loves people even more than I do. Like, at some point, I'm like, get out of my house. I don't want to be, you know, yes. I want to be by myself <laughs> for a while. He just keeps on loving people. So he's wow. the perfect, like host and the perfect bed and breakfast owner because of that reason he just loves people so much he's really good with people even when they're cranky when they've driven all day and they want to you know they just want to put their feet up it's not their fault at that point it's not their fault you're right so tell us about some of your guests and how this place has impacted them yes we've hosted people from all over this all over the world um we just the other day we had uh, four people from japan here who actually traveled over here to watch the thunder play and decided to come out and see the tall grass prairie and the bison. So they stayed with us for a night, and um, very it was very fun. One of them spoke pretty good English, but the rest were kind of hit and miss. Um, <laughs> but which is fun to try to figure out what each other is trying to say. Sure, <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it kind of makes it a game. But um, we've had a guy here that stayed with us from India for a whole week. He was here working on the computer system for the Osage Nation. He was wonderful. Uh, we still follow him on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we had a couple a couple here from Germany who was here for the Tallgrass Prairie. Um, lots of people from Europe, uh, Canada, China, Malaysia. I mean, just all over the place. It's been amazing, and it's, it's and it's been great for the kids. Oh, Malawi, Africa. Yeah, Malawi, Africa he, was kind wow. of the biggest he surprise. Was fun. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, so it's just been the kids have got to meet all kinds of wonderful people and they've got to enjoy other cultures while being in the middle of Oklahoma. And it's yeah. just kind of been amazing. It has been amazing. And I think and our typical guest is, you know, the bed and breakfast goer that likes the Pioneer Woman conversation as well as wants to do something a little different. You know, they don't necessarily just want to come here and stay. They want to, like, immerse themselves into... The, the culture, culture of being here and kind of getting to know and they're fascinated by either the house or by the idea of coming and kind of feeling like they're staying with family versus like just a typical tourism experience, if you will. And so those end up being the kind of people that we're that we 
love having breakfast with every morning because they just they really want to just chat and hang out. We're like the long lost relatives that they they didn't know they had. <laughs> and a lot of first time bed and breakfast people because yeah. At, when we first started, there wasn't a whole lot of places to stay in Pahuska, just very few. So when people started coming in here by the thousands, yeah. um, we were the o- one of the only options. There wasn't too many more options. So it just, and it kind of just grew from there. So it just. Yeah. We finally decided we needed a website in 2016 <laughs> when we opened the Merc. Stephen was getting like 100 calls a day. Wow. So we couldn't actually run the bed and breakfast anymore. So I was like, let me jump on and like do a quick little website. Like, let's yeah. just get something and get people like off of your phone. Uh-huh. So then we finally got like a legit website and um, connected that, of course, to the Mercantile website. And that's been the only advertisement we've really ever done. Wow. And so it's all been word of mouth and just, you know, people, people hearing about it. And of course, we have Facebook and all that stuff now. Now, but nothing nothing like at the beginning we were just like all right come by if you want to hang out with us <laughs> very <laughs> cash now it's not as casual yeah <laughs> so in addition to hosting overnight guests you also host parties and other events as well right we do occasionally yeah it kind of depends on how much time we have yeah. we usually end up getting several parties during Christmas and that kind of thing we hosted our first wedding Back in the spring, Stephen's sister got married here. It was a beautiful experience. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've, we've said fun. no to a lot more the last few years because we've just been so busy with so many, with day-to-day just guests. an influx of people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they leave at 8 o'clock. Or they, they get up, we have breakfast by 8.30, and then um, they're out of here by usually right after 10. But then, of course, we flip the entire home for people to check in by 4. So wow. you think, like, you've got this time, and then you just don't. Boom, it's over. Wow. Check checking people in. in that evening, throughout the evening, and making sure that they're all happy and they got everything they need. And then it's bedtime and it's time to get up the next morning and do it all again. Wow. Yeah. So we've started scheduling a few days off for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I bet you would have to. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to. Well, tell me about your kids and what kind of role they play here. Hmm. Well, Steven would be better to speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in between doing their homeschool stuff, I usually have them help check in guests. They'll, um, help clean the kitchen they'll help weed the flower beds outside and now they're starting to mow the yard for me Um, so just little things but mostly just checking our guests in asking if they want water carry bags in and out Um, just and and then sitting and talking to them I mean they get to sit and talk to people all over the United States and all over the world and our kids have gotten very good at just sitting there and having conversations with adults. And of course, when we have the kids that come through too, so we always love having the kids come in because our kids are always ready to play with whoever uh, shows up and brings their kids along. So we've enjoyed enjoyed that. But no, they've, they've been really good about falling in and helping, helping check people in. Yeah, we believe in child labor around yeah. here. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> We're like, hey, if those rancher you know families can get together and get up at 5 a.m. and work cattle y'all can help us make some beds okay like (laughs) let's get real here kids so we've always just we decided to homeschool a long time ago because we really wanted our kids to be like you know have a front row view of what our adventure was like and so we always tell them no no we're the interesting ones and when you become interesting we'll focus on you like we'll we'll make you the center of the family but for right now we're the center of the family and you you watch how it's done (laughs) because I think our generation sometimes is like the kid 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 focused and it's like what are we doing for Johnny and like let's go to Johnny's stuff and make Johnny the superstar and it's like I don't have that mentality I'm like no you first you learn how to do what you're supposed to do and then you become interesting and then we'll focus on you and so it's a little different because you know we don't always keep them at the the focus of 
every activity they need to do or whatever. I mean, they're still in all kinds of stuff, you know, dance and all that, but Uh we really want them to see how life's done first row view or first seat, you know, at the table. And then they can model that versus, you know, making it all about them in a way teaches them to be a little more of a servant. Sure. Yeah. And what a cool experience for them to get to meet these people from all over the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been cool. And learning how to have conversation with adults and how to interact and how to be hospitable and how to, you know, give instead of just being about me, me, me all the time and how to be appropriate when to not talk and when to talk. And it just, those, those are some life skill stuff that, you know, sometimes even uh, uh, high school students don't have or college kids. Yeah. <laughs> like what, did your mama not teach you that? Come <laughs> <Yeah. on. laughs> how did you miss that? How'd you miss that day in kindergarten? <laughs> So we have um, six kids total. Uh, They range from 14 to 18 months. Uh, Our oldest, Mac, he, of course, is the most help. He's... uh He's quite the little jewel. He's he's incredible babysitter. He's like CPR certified. He he like can pretty much do anything. He's also been cooking with me since he was two. So he's pretty pretty dexterous when it comes to the kitchen. Is that a word? Dexterous? Dexterous? Sounds Let's, good to me. Sounds good to you. Okay, whatever. <laughs> he's pretty good in the kitchen. Uh, so he's of course fantastic help. And then we have three daughters: uh, Zale, who is eleven, and Lily, who is nine. And they're both fantastic. Zale's a great pastry chef in her own right, and Lily is always smiling. And she's my little acrobat. So she's always doing gymnastics and dancing they're all dancers but Lily's like the the one who could be like in the circus right she could be be up on the circus type running around and then uh we have an angel baby we have uh Riley he actually passed at 36 weeks and so we have one that lives in heaven so we always include him as well because people always say oh my gosh I'm so sorry it's like no you should feel sorry for the five we still have to raise because they're the ones who need (laughs) prayer but but the the one that's in heaven he's good like we're good to go on that but we always like to include him because he's just as much a part of our family even though he's living in heaven as um all the other ones are. So it's good stuff. And then Sophia, she's our five-year-old. She was our rainbow baby. She was actually born in the house, which I don't tell a lot of people. We, I had a beautiful water birth and a home birth here. And yeah, we don't tell too many guests that. We don't want to freak them out. <laughs> ha-ha. But she was born here in just this glorious kind of redemption season, renovate, you know, just total restoration, if you will. Her name means wisdom. And so uh, she just brought so much joy and healing into our family after, after Riley went to heaven. And then insert Israel. Boom. Here we are. Israel. He's number six. He's like the big dude in town, right? He's, he's the one that we focus on and like rotate around. So if there was a child we were rotating around in the center, it would be Israel because he's kind of a big deal. Um, he was born in a whirlwind of activity. Um, Stephen lost his parents in a car accident in fall of 2017. Uh, November 1st, he called me and I was in California, eight and a half months pregnant, you know, getting ready to come home from a conference and said, uh, mom and dad's been in a car accident. And of course, my first reaction was like, oh my gosh, are they okay? What hospital are they in? He said, no, 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 they're, they're in heaven. Like they're gone. And I said, oh my word. So I'm in the bathroom in this, you know, conference by myself and just, almost like in disbelief, like that, how did, how, like you just, you have no words. So fast forward, we went through their memorial ceremony and kind of came back to life, uh, from what had happened and boom, we went to an ultrasound and the technician said, I think there's something wrong. And he was 38 weeks. We were full term, but not quite ready yet to, you know, be thinking about birth. And she said, no, you need to go to the doctor right now, the hospital and get a second ultrasound. And, um, 
sure enough, there was something wrong. He, uh, he was diagnosed with fetal hydrops, which is a very, very scary kind of situation. Uh, it can be caused from hundreds of different things, but it's where the baby starts to collect flu- fluid on their body. And um, he had to be delivered emergency C-section. So as soon as he was born, he didn't cry. There was no like normal baby mom interaction, nothing. It just, he was intubated with a breathing tube. I kissed him and he left. And that was the beginning of our like 92 day NICU journey from him. We, d- we didn't know what was going to happen and we had no idea to him leaving um, 92 days later in a very, very good state. And so it was his whole, his whole 92 day journey could be its own book. But ultimately, um, he went from having like a 5% chance of survival to the Lord healing him and restoring his life. And here he is today. And so we left with a little oxygen and a, and a feeding tube and boom, today he's 18, 19 months old and, uh, it's just absolutely flourishing. And so anyway, they came to us and they said, okay, we think he has down syndrome and my niece has down syndrome. So our family's very familiar with like that conversation. You know, we've kind of, she's nine. So we've been, you know, we've been acclimated to the whole, you know, down syndrome world for years now. And we were like, okay, but, but when are we going to leave? And they looked at us weird and they were like, do you need some help? Like some counseling? We're like, no, no, no. We like, we got like, we're good with that. But like, when are we getting out of this hospital? Right? So I think they thought we were a little delusional. And and I finally had to explain to the nurses. I said, no, no. I said, I have a baby in heaven. I said, so you have to understand my paradigm's a little different. I said, I have a baby in front of me that's breathing, even if he's on a, you know, a machine. And I really have faith that he's going to make it. So you can tell me anything you want to tell me about him or, or whatever, but it's light years away from where I've been. So my paradigm's just different. Don't, don't be mad at me for not needing like, you know, medication or therapy, or I promise I'm not crazy and I'm not in denial. I'm just, my little spectrum slide slidden over just a little further down the gratefulness track because of what I've experienced before. So I said, he's my double rainbow baby and he's not going anywhere. And so, yeah, it was a very beautiful redemptive story. So he has blessed our life. Oh my goodness. In so many ways, so many ways. He's just the effervescent definition of joy and happiness. And from the moment he wakes up in the morning till the time he goes to bed at night, it's just a blessing to be his parents. I mean, like, and his siblings. In fact, we all say he's our favorite because (laughs) he's all of our favorite. So it's pretty cool. Well, and he is cute as can be too. So yeah. Thank you. He's pretty delicious. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you have alluded to this a little bit, but I want to take a minute to have you explain to us in a little more detail about what you do outside of the B&B. Well, I think that that kind of goes into well, it plays into well with what we were talking about, about loving people and loving to host people and hospitality. And so I think I knew really early on in my life that hospitality was going to be my language. Like I just love to feed people and take care of them and to, you know, put on gatherings that bring people together. And I just think it's that fun, you know, um, way to connect people. And so I always loved food, always loved people. So I became a chef so I could put the two together as often as possible. And uh, my chef journeys have taken me in lots of different directions professionally, but um, it really helped in in getting us to this conversation because uh, when Rhea and I met and we started cooking together, it just was kind of a natural, you know, fun time. Like we were just having a great time. And so of course I worked with her for almost five years and, um, helped with lots of different projects and really got to see a side of the industry and the world that I had never imagined. Like when I went, I went to school in New York and so I was familiar with food network and, you know, they would come and do things at our school sometimes, but I never in my wildest dreams thought I would be working on, you know, this show in the middle of Oklahoma with so many cool, um, 
you know, national connections happening, but right here, I didn't yeah. have to go anywhere for it to, to really be, you know, something that I could do all the time. So it was really cool. We worked on a lot of neat projects and had just a ton of fun. And, and so that was a side of my, my chef world that I had never gotten to do before. So I had taught and I had worked in restaurants and casinos and hotels and, um, resorts and, and restaurants, of course, and catering and had my own food truck for a while and just lots of fun, different things, you know, kind of wow. dabbled in lots of different foodie conversations, but teaching is really what I have always kind of come back to. And so I've taught in a lot of different areas, um, junior college, private college, uh, high school students, career tech, uh, even incarcerated folks. I taught in prison for eight years and that was a really cool, incredible season because, um, they were just such a, a very dynamic and hungry group of students that it was such a pleasure to teach there because their, their attention, you know, was so much more, they were just so much more hungry. You know, when you feed people who are hungry, it's different than just feeding people that are indifferent to whatever you're making. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh-huh. Like you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's different when you're feeding people and they're really digging what you're, what you're making and they're really into it. It's a different feeling. It uh-huh. feels very, it feels appreciated at a different level. And I think that's what I enjoyed the most about teaching in, um, in, in prison and never thought I would, but it was very gratifying. I would do it again in a heartbeat, wow. but then fast forward meeting Reed Drummond, all the fun with that. And then I uh, finished my master's degree and really wanted to teach in higher ed. So the opportunity presented itself. I missed my students. I loved Reed. I loved everything, but I, I really missed teaching. You know, when you've had students your whole life and then you don't, you're like, what the what? Like, where, you know, I, I'm like the Dead Sea. It's like inlet, but no outlet, you know? So I went back to teaching and uh, got a chance to open a beautiful $30 million facility for Oklahoma State University and just so many cool opportunities there. Had great connections and colleagues and mentorship and students and made memories there that will last me for, a, you know, that'll be at the front of my memory for years. And so, um, so just wrapped up that season of my life and now I'm a corporate chef for a huge company out of Oklahoma City that... I just adore, I've been using their products for 20 years. And so now to be a brand ambassador for them and to work with their company on the new season of their growth and, and um, you know, excitement is really an honor. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's been fun to, to be in this industry because, gosh, you just get to hang out with the best people. You know, hospitality yeah. people are just the best people. It's what awesome. What a journey. It's been fun. Yeah. Wow. It's been a lot of fun. Well, as a family, you guys have decided to make a big change in 2019. Woo. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> Tell us more about that. Well, when we had Israel, we knew our life would be different from then on. And that was a good thing because, you know, we've always been adventurous people, but insert Israel and it's like a whole game changer of conversation, which is cool. Um, in fact, his name means God always has the last say and he always keeps his promises. So for him to, you know, come into our life and have such a major, I mean, it was like, gosh, dude, you couldn't just be born. You had to have this like total drama scene, you know, involved with it. So yeah, don't do anything little, do it just really big. <laughs> so now, uh, we, we think differently. We're like, okay, what do we want to do? What, what kind of opportunities do we want to give him, you know, through his 
his life and for our other kids as well. And this has been great and been fun and we love it. But, you know, every season comes to an end and you wouldn't appreciate the last season if, you know, if the new one wasn't before you and you start to, to have those almost fond memories of the last one. It looks different, right? You start yeah. to kind of go turn it into the memory version of your mind and your, your thoughts versus the current and the future because that has to be new and different. And so for us, we're always looking for new and different. And when we decided to... Uh, look at where we would be in the future, Tulsa really presented itself again to be the place. In fact, my sister, um, who has the little girl with Down syndrome, when I t- she was the first person I told in the hospital that he had been diagnosed, and uh, she starts crying. And I was like, oh, no, no, you don't get to cry. Like, if anybody's going to cry, I'm going to cry. Yeah. She said, no, no, I'm not crying because he has Down syndrome. She's like, I'm crying because we're moving back to Tulsa, or we're moving to Tulsa, and I'll be able to help you with him. And so it was the first time in almost 20 years that my sister and I had been in the same city. She's always lived farther away. And so it's a beautiful time for us to come back together as a family. So it's like everything always happens for a purpose. But I went to Stephen and I said, I really think we're supposed to move back to Tulsa. And he said, well, I don't think it's time yet for me to leave the B&B. And I'm like, what? No, we, I, I can't stay here any longer, man. Come on. We got <laughs> to go. We got to do something. You know, he said, no, I'll tell you when it's time. It's all good. You know, he's like the tree planted by the river that never moves. And I'm the bird that makes like nests in every branch. You know, I'm like, you know, so I just had to get over it and, and wait for a little bit. Well, finally, um, some things happened in the spring and we found a house in Tulsa and um, after that, he said, okay. He said, you know that competition we talked about a long time ago? And I was like, oh, that, like the one that, you know, they had done on the East Coast where they gave their bed and breakfast away in this competition. He said, yeah. He said, I think we should do that with our B&B. I thought, oh my gosh, really? Like we really, are we really going to do this? Wouldn't it just be easier to sell it and like cut and run, you know? Yeah. I said, no. He said, I really think we should do this. So we decided to put together um, a competition where uh, folks could apply and interview basically through their application to be the next innkeeper. Uh, so there's a, there's a small application fee. It's like the price of a one night stay. And then it's all, um, basically we want to know about them. Why would they want to own a bed and breakfast? Um, how would this change their life? You know, cause it's, it's changed our lives. We want to pass it on to somebody that wants that adventure as bad as we did and who's kind of willing to take the journey. And then what do they love about Osage County? You know, so many cool things have happened and continue to happen in Osage County that it is just this unique, almost like surreal, fictitious place on earth. Like when you start to think about what's happened here, but also what continues to happen here and the cool things that are going on and the people that it attracts. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird, perfect storm and it just keeps getting better and better. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very cool place in the world. And I, I can imagine with as many people as we've had visit here and that have learned about it and with all the other cool things that are happening, what a cool opportunity for somebody, right? The right person. And then lastly, we want to know, um, what do they think about hospitality? What's your perspective? What's your opinion about hospitality? How do you feel about it? Because that tells us everything we want to know about who could potentially take over. And so all that's important because, you know, you can apply, you can answer these questions, but then, uh, what we'll do is we'll have a, a panel of, um, judges that are all Pahuska, you know, people that have a stake in Pahuska long term. And uh, we will give them the top 100 essays based upon criteria that we've developed. And then we allow them to pick the winner. So they will review those 100 essays, the last 100 finalists anonymously. They won't know who they belong to. We will know that, but they won't. And then they will give us their top one, two, and three winners. And we'll, we'll contact them and turn over the keys and, and, help them, we'll train them and teach them what we know about the place. And then they'll get to have a fully furnished turnkey booked 
business to take into the next season of this incredible historic home. And so, yeah, it's amazing. We're, you know, there's been a lot of different competitions like this in the past, but there's never been one with this kind of story. In fact, when we, when we spoke with some of our, um, you know, our, our lawyers and our friends that are advising us on this, uh, they said, you know, normally we would say this is crazy. Like, you guys are kind of crazy. And I'm like, oh, well, we know we're crazy, so you don't have to tell us that. So we tell people, oh, okay, we're giving our bed and breakfast away. What does that really mean? And so the first time I told somebody that, they kind of looked at me like I had three heads. And I said, no. I said, you understand. We're hosting a competition. Um, it's in Oklahoma. It's illegal to have your own, like, giveaway, like, raffle. So because that's the, the casino, you know, you, oh, you have, sure. they have gambling laws. And, of course, we want to honor those. So it's not a happen chance. It's not a random drawing. It's a, it's a competition of skill. So that's why there's the question. So you have to actually tell us something about yourself to be qualified to apply. So it's an application online. You visit our website. And uh, there's four questions. We ask you, you know, kind of a little bit about how you want to be involved or what your perspective is on this this concept of owning a bed and breakfast. And then there's a um, an application fee. We made the fee $140 because we really wanted to be the same as a one-night stay, right? Yeah. Someone would risk a one-night stay to have an opportunity to be an innkeeper, right? I, I would do it. I love that, yeah. And so it's a fair, you know, a fair... Um, a fair exchange uh, of application for entrance. And then uh, we have a panel that will pick the finalists. So we're not actually involved in picking the finalists. Uh, We will have a panel of Pahuskans who have a stake in the game picking the finalists. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So we have to have, um, t- for the competition to be viable, we have to have 10,000 folks enter and apply. Now, you can apply as many times as you'd like. We didn't want it to feel like a one-stop shop. Uh, so we've written the competition where you can apply as many times as you'd like. We just want you to give different answers or different facets of your life in the answers. So you can apply and tell us about one version. can be all about your professional ambitions. If you're a hospitality person and you want to run this as a, you know, a, an event center or as a small boutique restaurant, or, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to work with my family and have my kids at home with me and have, you know, the scenario like what we've had the last seven years or, oh my goodness, I love Pahuska. I love Reed Drummond. I want this to be, you know, she used to live here. So it's kind of a cool novelty thing. Yeah. You know, this is a, that's We're the only ones in town that can say that we're a former Reed Drummond home. Yeah. You know, like she actually lived here. So that's, you know, and she'll, she'll tell you, she's like, I loved living in that house, Tiffany. It's, it, you know, I love the chandeliers and the cool old, you know, crown molding and all that. Or I've always wanted to host people and be able to, you know, share my life with other people every day because that's important. You have people every day with you in your house. So you can't love your privacy too much. That's true. (laughs) It's true. Well, what are you most excited about for whoever gets to be the new owners? Oh, my goodness. I think the most exciting factor about what we're doing is the chance for someone to be on an adventure and to learn about Pahuska from the eyes of a business owner and from someone who gets to be here 24-7. You know, it's a different rhythm and a different tempo. I think I'm excited for the next innkeeper because Pahuska is growing. It's becoming an incredible destination for tourism, hospitality, um, what we call gastro-tourism, which is the travel for food and drink and that experience, as well as all the cool things that happen in Osage County. And I'm really excited that whoever takes over will get to kind of come in at a perfect time. You know, we started seven years ago and there was a lot happening, but there's so much more now. Yeah. I mean, there's there's all these potential of other opportunities and businesses and, and things that are coming. And I think the best is yet to come. I think as we come into 2020, there's going to be a whole thing of surging of 
excitement and new things and new growth coming into Pahuska. And so by no means is this the end. This is just the beginning for someone. And so if you love hospitality, if you love people, if you love the idea of, you know, this home is just, it's so incredible. What happens here with people is really magical. Um, in fact, I said in the living room, right after we bought the home, we closed and we came back here and I sat in the living room and it was just, I had this moment where like, I know I'm going to leave this place someday. I'm glad it's not now because I really want to stay here for a while. I just want to kick my feet up and get comfortable, like make a cup of coffee and have that feeling. Uh-huh. And I have that feeling every morning when I wake up here. Uh-huh. I wake up, I look outside, you know, there's hardly anybody awake. The, the community's just kind of coming coming awake and wake, you know, getting, getting excited for the day. And I sit in the living room and I have the same feeling I had that first day. Um, with, there's just so much peace here, so much peace. And so much um, potential of what could be. So like being able to start your day like that and realize, oh my goodness, this day can be anything I want it to be. And I get to start it like this in this cool old house with cool old wallpaper and the cool crown molding and this cool old fireplace. Like how cool is that? It's super cool. Yeah. (laughs) I used cool too many times. (laughs) No, it really is cool though. Seriously. Well, what have you loved about Pahuska and what are you going to miss the most? Oh, that's so easy. The people. The people, the people, the people. Like, there's a cool old house here, and there's a lot of cool stuff happening here, and there's some cool old buildings downtown and all that, and there's some cool stories and some beautiful things that have happened here. But the people are what really make this town magical. We've had, peop- we've had folks move here from all over the country already yeah. because they've fallen in love with the people. Um, they have literally just been captivated by the people here and they're the most genuine down to earth, salt of the earth people that you could ever imagine. And there's a lot of them. Usually you get a small concentration of people like that anywhere you go because you know, birds of a feather flock together, (laughs) but Pahuska kind of has a lot of that. And so it's a beautiful story because it's the people that make anything magical. I think Disney said it best. He said, um, you know, you can build a magical kingdom and you can make a magical world, but it's the people who really bring the magic to work every day. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but yeah, Walt Disney said great. it best. He yeah. said it's the people. You have to have people, and it's all about them at the end of the day. So, wow. yeah. yeah. Made a lot of friends here. They're going to have to come see us in Tulsa. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, we're going to come see them again in Pasco, so yeah, it'll be it goes fine. goes both ways. It goes both ways. Well, you literally have watched this town transform in incredible ways. What has it been like to be able to watch and experience that whole process? It's been pretty magical. I always feel I have to pinch myself because I feel like we have transformed as a family as much as the town has. So whereas we've been watching this outside thing happen as well, Uh, we painted the house white again this year. We got a beautiful green roof on it. So it looks very historical. It looks very like stately now in this different way. It's kind of like the new season, the new look, the new transformation of the B&B too, as well as the town. So we kind of, we had to, we had to get excited about, let's take the grand view into the next season too. So we, we were able to give it a facelift and, and make it super, um, you know, progressive with the town. Like we had to keep up, right? So now it has a different look. It has a different feel to it as well, but we've transformed as much as the town. And so that's, what's beautiful is like, we feel like we've been on a journey inside as much as we have on the outside. And then to watch it on the outside take place, uh, you just feel like you're part of something really magical. Yeah. Really magical. Well, we drove by the other night and it really is like the mansion on the hilltop. I mean, it was just all the lights were on and it just had this wow factor. Oh, thank you. It's going to be really hard to leave this place. It's been a very special part of our family and a very, very deep seated root in our hearts. And so it's as hard to let go as it is to, you know, to think about the new season. But 
you don't get the new without letting go of the old. No. So, and it's an incredible opportunity for somebody to be part of the rural revival going on here. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. We pray for the new owner every day. We don't know who they'll be. We don't know if we know them or if we don't know them. We don't know where they are or where they where they live or what they're going through right now or what um, they the dreams they have in their heart. You know, we've seen so many of our dreams come to pass here. It's been a real magical time for us, and we just pray that they'll be really, really um, blessed by what's in store for them in the future. So we're excited. Can't wait to yeah. meet them. Yeah. Maybe it's you. That's incredible. <laughs> well, how do we follow the Grandview Inn and where can people go to find more out about the giveaway? Absolutely. So we're at um, the Grandview Oklahoma.com. Uh, Oklahoma's all spelled out. Uh, and you can visit our website there. Google us. We're all over all over social media, and it's pretty easy to find. And uh, you can follow us there. You can find out more about our competition at grandviewoklahoma.com backslash giveaway. And if you just type in uh, B&B Pahuska, you'll see us as well. So we're on Facebook and Instagram, and, um, you know, we're just having fun. So <laughs> come <Great>. join us. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tiffany, thank you. And Stephen, I know he had to step away. He did. He actually had to go take care of like real guests and like do his real innkeeper job. Just stay in the life. (laughs) He did. Well, thank you guys for your time. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, I love that Stephen and Tiffany have always felt like the community owns this house and that it was a place to be shared and how they're now involving the community in this amazing giveaway. So if you are someone who loves people, food, hospitality, and small town America and want to be part of the incredible rural revival happening in Pahuska, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity that you won't want to miss. Be sure to check out the links in our show notes where you can learn more about the giveaway. And we can't wait to see who the next innkeepers are going to be. Thanks again to Stephen and Tiffany for being on the podcast and for their incredible generosity. And thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.